Well, today we're, we're coming into the Christmas season. You can tell from all the carols we're singing, and we're beginning a new message series, which I've entitled Jesus the King. Now, if you look closely at this image, if you look closely at the name Jesus, you're going to see that all 66 books of the Bible are incorporated into his name. Now, you can check that out during the service starting in Genesis, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus all the way ending up in Revelation. And, and this is not just, a, it's not just a clever gimmick because all Scripture speaks of Jesus in one way or another. Jesus is the central figure of the Bible. Sometimes we think it's just the New Testament that speaks of Jesus, but the Old Testament speaks of the coming Messiah. And if we have understanding and ears to hear, the Old Testament speaks of Jesus as well. After Jesus' resurrection from the dead, Jesus was, uh, well, two disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus. And they were discouraged, they were despondent because the man they had been following, Jesus, had died. And all their hopes, all their dreams had seemed to come to an end. They met somebody walking on the road, and it was Jesus, but they didn't recognize who it was. And so Jesus said to these two disciples in Luke chapter 24, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so Jesus himself went through the Old Testament and he explained to these two disciples how the Old Testament had spoken of, of himself, had spoken of Jesus, and had spoken actually of his death and resurrection. And so all of Scripture, including the Old Testament, speaks of Jesus the Messiah, the coming King. And so today we're going to talk about worshiping Jesus the King. We're going to look at a familiar Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2. And this baby that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago was, was born to be a king. Now, oftentimes we think of Jesus coming into existence in that manger. I mean, you and I, we come into existence when we're conceived and we're born. And people think of Jesus coming into existence in his birth some 2,000 years ago. But Jesus didn't come into his existence at his conception and birth as you and I do, Jesus has eternally existed as the third person of the Trinity, as God himself. Father, Son, that's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was there at creation. I mean, Jesus has always existed. Philippians 2, verse 6 and 7 says, Though he, that is Jesus, was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man. And so Jesus, eternally existent in heaven, made a choice to lay down his power, to lay down his glory, and to be born in a manger. Now, manger to us is a very sweet, sentimental word, right? Away in a manger, no crib. I won't sing anymore, but... <clears throat> a manger was an animal feeding trough. I mean, it was... Full of hay, it was the cows slobbered in there and the donkeys and everything else. And uh, it was not something you'd want to lay your baby in, okay? But that was all that was. 
And so that's where Jesus was born. And Jesus went through a life of persecution, a life of suffering. In many ways, he died a cruel death on the, on the cross. And so he came as a suffering servant to save the sinners like you and me that he had created. And as the Old Testament had predicted of the Messiah, he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day and he ascended back into the glory of heaven from whence he had come. And one day, Jesus is going to return to this earth and he's going to return not as a baby, but as king of kings. We read about that in Roman, I mean Revelation chapter 19. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so Jesus is the one seated on that white horse who's going to come again as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But today we're going to go back and talk about Jesus' birth. And we're going to ask God to help us to respond to that birth of baby Jesus born to be king. And God would have us to worship that Savior King that was born 2,000 years ago. Our story begins in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And you can follow along on the screen or in your bulletins is a white page. You can pull that out. It has the Scriptures written out as well as the outline. And so let's begin in verse 8. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And so Luke is a gospel that tells us the story of the shepherds visiting the baby Jesus. Now in those days, again, shepherds is a, a very sentimental term to us today. We think shepherds are, are wonderful, uh, and, and they are, but in those days... Shepherds were considered very low on the social status ladder. They were probably about the level of tax collectors, which were not esteemed in any way. Think about the job of a shepherd. Who would want the job of a shepherd? Staying up late at night, protecting your sheep from, from thieves, from robbers, from wolves. And not only were they working in harsh working conditions, but there were legitimate dangers. And so it was not a typical job that a young boy would say, Dad, I want to grow up to be a shepherd. And being a shepherd was, if you couldn't get any other job, then maybe you would work as a shepherd. And yet it was to these lowly shepherds that God chose to announce the birth of his son. He didn't announce it to the kings. He didn't announce it to the priests in the temple. He didn't announce it to the leaders of the land. He announced it to lowly shepherds. And they were to worship with great joy. And so an angel, verse 9, appeared to them, to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. And so picture with me this dark night and the shepherds kind of sleepily, half asleep, a little with one eye open, watching the sheep, laying on the hillside. And suddenly the heavens were opened and a, 
a mighty angel came down on a brilliant beam of light that lit up the entire field. And the shepherds were startled. They were filled with fear. They didn't know what had happened. It was completely outside of their experience. And the angel began to speak to them. And I'm sure this is class 101 for angels. Your first words to these lowly human beings is, fear not. Because they're very afraid of you. Because you are awesome and you are brilliant light and they've never seen anything like you. And so the angel began by saying, fear not. And rather than bringing some kind of judgment of God on these, on these shepherds, perhaps what they were fearing, the angel was bringing good news. Good news that would fill them with joy and not with fear. And the good news was not just for those shepherds. It was not just for the Jews. It was for all the people. All the people that lived on the whole planet. And what was the good news that would bring great joy? The shepherds would have an opportunity to worship Christ the Lord. So the angel continued in verse 11 and says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And so the angel announced to these shepherds that that very day in the city of David in Bethlehem, a baby had been born. And this baby was no ordinary baby. This baby was given three titles by the angel. The first title was Savior. And so this baby would be the one who would save people from their sins. Those who believed in him would receive forgiveness. And that would be a cause of, for great rejoicing. The next title was Christ, which is the anointed one or the Messiah in the Greek. And this baby was the Messiah promised by Old Testament prophets, the one who had been longed for for centuries. And finally, <clears throat> the baby would be the Lord, Kyrios in the Greek. Kyrios means master, it means owner, Lord. In the Old Testament, God Almighty was the Lord. And this baby would be the Lord as well. And so in this Christmas season, it's, it's a busy season. There's a lot of hustle and bustle with cards, cookies, gifts, parties, and all of that. Nothing wrong with that, but let's take some time to worship. We're doing it this morning, but... Not just this morning, on your own. Take some time to, to worship the one who was born as that baby 2,000 years ago. I mean, it, take some time just to think about what happened. I mean, it's, our minds cannot comprehend God himself coming to earth in the form of a baby. Be sure to worship with your family. Come back the next two Sundays. We're going to be talking more about what happened on that first Christmas in this series Worship Jesus the King. And take some time with your family before opening those gifts underneath the tree to reflect on the true meaning of Christmas and to, to worship with your spouse, with your children. Make sure they understand Christmas is not just about unwrapping presents, 
Those presents are to remind us of the greatest gift that came down from heaven in the form of Jesus, the Savior King, born in a manger. Not only do we worship the Savior King, we worship the peace-bringing King. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And so one angel was not enough to, to announce the birth of a king. And so God sent a multitude. Doesn't tell us how many. I think it was an astronomical number of angels that were there. And so this whole angel choir burst into song praising God for this magnificent plan that was unfolding. And the, and the poor shepherds. They were scared of one angel. Now the sky was ablaze with angels, and they didn't know what to expect next. I suspect they were overawed by witnessing this, this vision of this heavenly choir of angels. It was something they'd never experienced before, and it was something they would never experience again, this side of heaven. And so the angels had a message to bring. It was that peace comes to those who, who please God. The angels sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so first of all, the angel choir gave glory to God in the highest heaven. And of course, that is where God is praised continually night and day. We see that in the book of Revelation. And they continued to praise God in the highest heaven. Heaven itself was rejoicing in the birth of Jesus the Son. And then the angels announced that on earth, God was bringing peace, not to all men. Some translations kind of get this a little mixed up, but God was bringing peace to, to men with whom God is pleased. And with which men are God pleased with? Well, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, it takes faith to please God. We have to believe in God in order to please Him. And so God is pleased with those who put their faith in Him and in His Son. And that faith results in the forgiveness of our sins. That faith results in us being changed from being enemies of God to being God's children, part of God's family. And in that way, Jesus brings peace between God and man. And so peace comes to those who please God by putting their faith in Him, and peace comes to those who obey. Verse 15, When the angels went away from them, from the shepherds into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so back in verse 12, the angels had told the shepherds that there would be a sign to identify the baby that the angels were praising God for. And that sign would be the baby would be wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And that's an unusual sign. Sometimes we think, well, maybe all babies were lying in mangers back then. It's like, no, they weren't. It was very unusual even back then. It was unheard of. You know, what mother would put the baby? They had... They had uh, beds and things to put, put babies in back then as well. So clearly the angels were giving instructions to the shepherds to go see this baby whom heaven was praising and they would know they found the right one because of all the babies in Bethlehem, how many are lying in mangers? 
one, baby Jesus. And that's how they would know who he was. And so the shepherds didn't need much convincing. They left their sheep behind to the mercy of thieves and wolves, whatever, and, and they trusted God to take care of their sheep, and they went looking for baby Jesus in Bethlehem. And notice that the shepherds, the shepherds indicate that God the Lord had spoken to them through the angels. And the word Lord here in the Greek is kurios, the same word that the angels used to describe Jesus, Christ the Lord. And so the blessings of the birth of the Savior 2,000 years ago do not automatically come to every person on this planet. And sometimes we hear, you know, Jesus came, and it's like, no, they don't come to everybody. The blessings are available only to those who please God. Only to those who please God through faith, resulting in obedience. And they benefit then from the peace that Jesus came to bring to the earth 2,000 years ago. And so this morning, do you know any in your life, whether friends, relatives, neighbors, who do not have God's peace in their life? If they don't, if they don't have that relationship with God through faith in Jesus, they're missing out on the blessing of Christmas. They're missing out on that peace that they can have with God. They're missing out on being part of the family of God. And so in your bulletins, hopefully I haven't checked. Uh, yes, Nancy is very good at this. I shouldn't have doubted. Uh, there's uh, invite cards and to invite people to the next two services in our series, Jesus the King. So I'd encourage you to invite people. People are open to singing Christmas carols, which we'll do again next Sunday. And we are having service. That's Christmas Eve Sunday, isn't it? But the service will be in the morning at our normal time. We encourage you to invite any friends, neighbors, and relatives that you know to come and experience Christmas from God's Word. Not only do we worship the peace-bringing God, we can learn to worship the wonder-provoking God. So verse 16, the shepherds went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And so the shepherds didn't waste any time. They left their flocks on the hillside that was still in the middle of the night. They traveled a short distance to Bethlehem and quickly found Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Jesus was lying in a manger just as the angels had told them. And so the shepherds then told Mary and Joseph the entire story about the angels appearing to them. In particular, they told the young couple that the angels had said that this baby would be the Savior. This baby would be Christ the Lord. And so this visit of the shepherds to Mary and Joseph was a confirmation. Of course, angels had appeared to Mary and Joseph before, announcing the child they had would be the Savior, would be Jesus but this was a confirmation to them that this baby that was born that night was no ordinary baby. But he was and is Christ the Lord. And although the text does not state this, I have to believe that the shepherds bowed down and worshipped this Savior, this baby who was Christ the Lord. How could you not worship when the 
you had seen angels praising God for this baby and worshiping him. I'm sure the shepherds worshiped in that stable in which Jesus lay in the manger. They had learned to open their hearts to the awesome king, and we need to do that as well. It says, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And so, obviously here, the shepherds didn't just tell Mary and Joseph what they had seen and heard. As they went there, well, probably as they left, they were telling everybody. It was still the middle of the night. They were telling everybody, you won't believe what happened to us this night. We saw angels praising God, and they told us to go look for this baby laying in a manger, and we went, and there he was. And this baby is the Savior. This baby is Christ the King. And the, it was an incredible story. And the, the people didn't ridicule them. You see, it wasn't just one shepherd. If you get one shepherd, like, you know, maybe he's sleep deprived, you know, and he's delusional. But this was a, a whole group of shepherds, and they all had seen the same thing. Their stories were the same. And the people responded with wonder. It was amazing. It was something they never heard of before. And so from his very birth, Jesus inspired wonder in everybody who opened their heart to hear about him. And we need to treasure our relationship with this King Jesus. Now the scripture turns to Mary's response in verse 19. It says, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so Mary treasured, which means she kept thinking over the events of that night. I mean, first of all, was the birth, birth of her baby. You know, every mother remembers every detail of every birth. Uh, it's just something that mothers remember. And Mary remembered every detail of the delivery and everything that happened. And then as they were there with this newborn baby, shepherds coming with, with this incredible story of angels singing and bringing them to this very place. Mary knew that, that she had been chosen for an unusual and very privileged destiny. And so the events of the birth, the events of the shepherds coming and sharing the things that had happened to them were, were another confirmation that this was not an ordinary baby. It was another confirmation of the same things the angel had told her. And the angel had told her husband, Joseph. And so Mary treasured those things. She pondered them. She, she worshipped God for those things that had happened. And the shepherds, they, they returned to their flocks. They went back to their jobs, but they were, they were changed men, I have to believe. They returned praising God, glorifying and praising. I mean, that's they're kind of the same thing, but it's, it's emphasizing that they were doing something they'd never done before. They were glorifying and praising God, and everybody who met them heard about it. It had been an incredible night. It had been a night they would never forget as long as they lived. So the shepherds were changed. 
2017 is coming to a close in just a few weeks. And it's a good time as we come to the end of a year to reflect back on this past year of 2017, to reflect on the good things that God has done in your life this past year. And if you're a believer here today, God has done good things in your life this past year. Maybe you've gone through some tough times, but there are still good things. Good things that God would have you reflect on. That God would have you treasure the good things. That God would have you ponder and think about and thank Him for the good things that He has done in your life. It's what Mary did and it's example for us as well. You know, it's easy to forget the good things and to think about the upcoming worries and things that might happen in the new year. Or to perhaps think of some things in the past year that were problems. It's easy to grumble and complain and not be thankful. But God would have us to be thankful. He's going to take care of us, just as he took care of Mary and Joseph. And as believers, we can encourage ourselves, we can encourage one another by remembering the good things that God has blessed us with. And so give thanks to God for what he has done in, in this past year. And as we treasure, as we ponder on the good things that God has done, the good gifts that God has given us, including the gift of the greatest gift, the gift of Jesus. That's something we should treasure each and every year. And as we do that, it builds our faith. As we remember the good things, it encourages us for the new year, for 2018. And so today we've looked at this familiar, probably everybody here has heard this story multiple times of the shepherds. But it's a profound story of these shepherds seeing heaven opened and going to worship this, this newborn baby, this newborn king. And so this Christmas, God would have us to be thankful for that Savior. And again, take some time to worship on your own with your family. He's no longer a baby. He lives in heaven today. He reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. He's made a way for us to be saved. He's made a way for us to have peace with God. And as we focus on him, as we worship King Jesus, let, let God open your heart to once again experience the wonder of what he did for us. And try to put yourself in the place of a child who's never heard this story before. To open your heart. So may we remember this awesome king that was born that very first Christmas. Now, in order to become a believer in King Jesus, in order to have the peace that he came to this earth to bring, we need to follow a few simple steps. I've already referred to them in the message, but we'll go over them again. First of all, you need to admit that you've sinned. And that sin has separated you from a holy God. You can't have a relationship with God. You can't go to heaven as a sinner. 
You need to believe that Jesus died to forgive those sins, and he rose from the dead. And so he's alive today, and we commit our lives to following this risen Jesus, to following him as our Lord, as the King of Kings. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time today, I'd encourage you to do that. Perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to him today. That's, that's always a good thing to do. If you feel like you've wandered away from following the King of Kings and you've been doing some things on your own that you know he didn't approve of or he wouldn't approve of, it's a good time to recommit your life to him. So let's pray. Father, today, we admit, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I haven't been following you. haven't been following your plans for my life. Please forgive me. I believe you died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. And I believe that you rose from the dead and you're alive today. Come into my life. I, I commit myself to following you and your word all the days of my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well this morning. Father, we thank you that Jesus is reigning in heaven today as King of kings and Lord of lords. May we remember as we look back how he humbled himself to, to come into this world to be our Savior. May we never forget the great sacrifice or become too familiar with the sacrifice he made for each and every one of us. Help us to take time this Christmas season to, to truly worship King Jesus on our own, with our families, with our church family. And God, this Christmas, we commit, our, commit ourselves anew to, to living to please Him, to living to please You, living to obey and follow His direction. Continue to open our hearts to experience once again the the wonder of Christmas, the amazing story, and not just a story, the amazing reality of Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.